Hello, my friends. I hope you are all staying safe and well out there in the universe during quarantine time here. Uh, I also want to uh, take a moment and just check in about the Patreon. Uh, I have a couple things to say. First of all, you know, you, you maybe you've been listening to this for a long time. And if that's you, maybe you'd like to think about how much you've gotten from this podcast. This is episode 111 which is, you know, getting up there. It's a lot of episodes that have gone out. Uh, if that's you and you're able, think about jumping over to the Patreon and supporting at any level. Okay? It's super appreciated, and it really does help me continue to make all this stuff happen. Secondly, uh, there is a bonus episode for every episode. Uh, and in each of those um, bonus episodes, we talk about practical things, that you can do to apply and work the lessons, magic, meditation, whatever it is that we've been talking about in this recording. And finally, uh, as of April, there is a Patreon group where we are going to be discussing uh, episodes where maybe the guests themselves will be jumping in and hanging out some, and also where all sorts of extra, extra bonus stuff like May 2nd's uh, learning how to read tarot cards class will be free and available for anybody who is a member of the Patreon group. So think about it. And if you're able, head on over to patreon.com slash the hermit's lamp and sign up. Uh, the last thing is, of course, all patrons at any level get early access to. All right. Thanks, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Hermit's Lamp Podcast. I am here today with Nancy Antonucci. And, you know, I had to go back and look and see when Nancy had been on before. Uh, and uh, I, because it's been a while and I had sort of lost track of it. Uh, and it turns out that, in fact, Nancy was the first guest on the first episode of this podcast, which came out February 11th, 2011. So it's been quite some time. Uh, you know, that we've known each other and, and, you know, obviously knew each other some before that. And, you know, and Nancy was again on in 2014 for episode 18. Um, you know, but uh, one of the things that I love about Nancy is mm. Nancy's uh, intense engagement in life and in experimentation, you know. And, uh, you know, my sense of Nancy is that they're always sort of open to trying new things and experimenting and sort of seeing where where the the spirit takes them uh and you know i think that during this time i mean in every time let's be honest but certainly during these times um that can just be so helpful um you know but i guess it's been a long time since you introduced yourself to to the folks who listen to this um who are you nancy what are you what are you all about <laughs> oh, did you be before quarantine or after quarantine? Yeah, this is the, my, and I love I love going by Nooch, you know. So just throwing out there, and I am, hoy, I am. Thank you for that. That was such a beautiful description. I feel like I'm kind of a Quaker mover. Move, move. That's how I actually see myself as a Quaker mover. Like I, if spirit moves me, then do something, then, then move, whether that, and a lot of times that is very physical and the older I get the need for embodiments getting stronger and stronger, uh, mm. to actually make it in my body. Uh, but you know, I'm not a really good, you know, and I, I used to, my first career and chapter in my life, I was a dancer, dance teacher, choreographer, and even then, I used to teach people how to just move with the music and, and find their own style and be more fluid. And then my other colleagues would be the ones teaching the form, you know, the mm. tendus, the plies, the, the uh, practice of form. And then what I do is help them sing in the form. And I, I really think I just kind of did the same thing with tarot. I just, mm. I can teach form, but what I really am interested in is how you use tarot to just sing, you know, to let it be a language with you that really merges with your, all of your being, including your body. 
which is mm -hmm. something I'm avidly after right now. For sure. I think that embodiment is so helpful at this time, right? Mm. You know, I think, uh, yeah, I, I've been uh, accessing various ways to sort of keep the emotional stuff from settling into my body and just keep it moving out, right? Just to, you know, kind of keep that stuff moving forward because I think that otherwise it's going to, you know, could easily settle in for the long haul, right? Totally. And, and uh, you know, growing up as with dancers and professional dancers, I, I did wonder the people that go to gyms almost maniacally, this is probably a great exercise for them to do the opposite, which mm. is no, don't keep moving and sweating and not feeling anything. Mm. <laughs> you know, like now you're going to probably have to sit in some emotions that are probably really good. I, I find this whole thing. Here's a couple things that I've noticed for me. Andrew is one is that like from nine to one, I'm actually, I have some pretty good focus then, uh -huh. but around one, it just is like this collective fog kind of rolls in and I know it's not my fear. I actually named it one day. I went, that is not mine. That is, mm. but that's the collective coming in. And sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's, uh, it's anxiety. It's a low, like low chronic anxiety, not even pitching, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so then I have to do something physical. I have to stop. I can't, mm. I get away from the screen go walk my dog or do something, you know, with the video, like some movement thing. Um, and I realized, wow, now that's pretty fascinating that we're all connected to each other. And what I've really needed to focus on for my own sense of flow and well-being is that I just think Earth is happier now than she has been in a very long time. You know, like I actually feel like the way I felt when I was a kid. Because Earth feels like no one's in her skies now, no one's in her waters, no one's fracking her. Mm -hmm. She's like taking a nice deep rest, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that she's starting to replenish some of us, not all of us, but some of us who, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, at heart, really, I'm a pagan. So it's just, I remember one time um, I was listening to uh, John Michael Greer. And he said, the problem with uh, being a pagan, he said, we're really the religion. We're a, a religion that can really take this next step because we actually do see earth as our church. So it's, he said, but it, are you willing to die for her? Are you willing, you know, to put your body on the line for her? You know, and it, not that he was asking he wasn't thinking we should die, but that we're that committed, that we're, we're that we would serve her that much, you know? And it, I thought that was interesting because now we are dying, <laughs> you know? but it's like, but, but from a different, uh, from a different uh, stream. And I got to tell you, Andrew, and I know this is like, I, I, I have seen five future quarantines. So I don't know if maybe there's going to be a mini one in the fall or we're just talking five for the rest, you know, over the next 40 years. Mm. I'm not sure, but they're kind of, the message just came in really loud and clear to me one day and just said, you know, you might want to really learn what you're doing right now and what works and what doesn't work, you know, because it would help you in the future. Well, I definitely think that uh, it behooves us to um, be ready for more, right? Yeah. You know? How do we how do we set ourselves up to be uh, able to survive and you know hopefully even thrive during these times, right? You know, and I think, right. I think that that's um, you know very very complicated, right? You know, I mean, is you know I see a lot of people posting stuff like, I don't want to go back to the old normal. I want you know whatever, right? Like, right. Um, you know, better nature, basic income for everybody more interconnectedness, less consumer, whatever it is. Right. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think that this moment allows us perhaps the opportunity to make some shifts around things. And, Absolutely. you know, and, and I think that one of them is, is how do we, how do we as people, you know, increase our resilience, right. So we can 
be ready mm -hmm. for things that happen like this? Um, and how do we as communities and cities and countries and whatever do the same for our people, you know? And then, yeah, yeah finally, what, what can we continue in the direction of when it comes to nature, right? Because I know a lot of, you know, a lot of the posts about that stuff have been, uh, you know, there's some there's some stuff where people have said things that just aren't true, right? You know, and there are some very funny ones as well. You know, I saw this picture of a cow standing in the, the surf and they're like, look, we've stepped away and now cows are returning to the ocean. This is wonderful, <laughs> right? I remember that one. I thought yeah. that one really stuck out to me. I know, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's interesting, you know? <laughs> well, I've been, go ahead. I've been um, doing a lot of bike riding during this time because bike riding for me seems like a relatively, you know, inherently social distanced activity. Yeah, you know? and, totally. And, uh, you know, because I'm by myself half the time when my kids aren't with me, um, I just need to get out of the house at a certain point. Be like, I gotta, I gotta just not stare at these walls for a while. Exactly. And, and uh, so I've been going to a um, place in Toronto called the Leslie Spit. And, you know, I mean, I'm always, I do so much work with, with the land and place and so on that it's hard to say, is it different now for me than it was two months ago when I was there or last fall when I was there. Um, and, I, and, you know, it's so hard to kind of keep track of those things, but that yeah. said, I've been engaged with a lot more wildlife when I'm there. And I think that part of that is also, I'm often riding either uh, in the dark or at sunset. Right. Yeah. And so um, there was, there was the, the chonkiest, chonkiest beaver ever that waddled across my path the other day. Um, you know, I saw a coyote there for the first time, which I had not seen before. Wow. Um, you know, so yeah, cause we're just not out in numbers. So animals are. Yeah. Right. Maybe they're around, maybe they're being a little more adventurous. Right. So, <laughs> uh... so do you consider this time, do you consider this a tower time? Because I'm starting to see it more like a wheel of fortune time. You know, I, I struggle to make sense so, you know, in the last two years, I got divorced. Mm -hmm. I had my business burned to the ground. Yeah, I restarted literally. my business. Um, I spent most of last fall uh, imminently facing the closure of my business because of inability to get insured again. And now this has happened. So I don't, like, I don't really know you know, and I don't, and I don't tend to think of, I'm, I, I know we had a lot of questions about archetypes and energies and archetype and the cards of this time and so yeah. on, right? And I think that talking about that can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and I know for me that there certainly have been times where I've really looked at that, but the last two, three years have just been a perpetual cycle of disruption on some level for me, right. you know? And so I'm kind of like, I don't know. Is it just more of the same? Is it different? <laughs> uh, you know, some days I'm like, what did I do to deserve this? You know, and other days I'm just like, well, life is just life and you got to persevere. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I had gone, just kind of gone along with the tower thing. Although to me, nine 11, the, the, the American attack that felt like tower to me because it was towers that got hit and, you know, people were flying out of buildings. So it, it was very literal. I remember watching it and I thought to myself, oh, my God, may I never see a gigantic tarot card again. Right. You know, it was it was frightening to see it in real time, in our time. Mm -hmm. But a friend of mine said she called this the great unwinding. Mm -hmm. And I went, Oh man, that is exactly. And then all of a sudden I got the wheel of fortune in my mind and it went mm. wah, 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 and it just stopped, you know? And I just thought, Oh, that, it, you know, I just, but then the wheel of fortune is, it is actually to me, I, 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 t I tell students, but a lot it's, there are certain cards that you just really aren't going to get until you experience them. Mm -hmm. 
they're just their theory. They're, they're this lovely mm-hmm. placeholder until you get into that landscape. And I'm actually starting to feel like, you know, if I had to have a wheel of fortune experience, this would be it. Mm. You know, that everything, the whole world just stopped, mm. you know, yeah. and yeah. I think, I think for me, um, I feel like I see that for sure. Right. And I think that that, yeah, you know, some, somebody needs to go in there like the Tin Man and, and put some WD-40 on that thing and get it going again, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or not, but, you know. Um, Just don't but, inject it. <laughs> right? But for me, I, I also think of it as kind of a, um, what are we going to call it? Like a, like a lover's moment, you know? Like for me, especially being a sort of a Marseille, Tarot de Marseille-centered reader, right? The lover's card is one of ambiguity, right? And I totally. think that this is you know, such a time of unbelievable uncertainty, right? It's yeah. just so like, you know, we think we're, we're handling it. We think we know what's going on. You know, in Canada, it looks like the numbers are headed in a good direction. You know, it looks like maybe right. we're going to get to start to make some changes from this sort of level of restriction we're at maybe over the next month, you know, but it's really an unbelievable level of uncertainty for the foreseeable future right because right. are there eddies and flows are there second wave third wave whatever um right what are the, you know i was reading for a client today and i'm like you know they were worried about their short-term finances i'm like i don't see that for you what i see is what's the what's the change in the economy that impacts your work a year from now you know exactly and you know so like there's this huge uncertainty about what this is going to look like and we're not going to know until when, you know, like in, in 1929, you know, what, what did they think they knew, right? In 1930, what did they think they knew, you know, and it's not really until you get to kind of the end of World War II that you can sort of, you know, and then look back on that and see that, that influence of that whole, you know, almost 20 year period, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, I love that. Hopefully it's not like that, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I do. Well, if it is a profound shift, you know, I mean, you know, again, if we can, if we, if we can really see, like I'm, I, I, there's a couple things that have really dawned on me in this time, which is one is I really did not know that I was a workaholic. Mm. I didn't know that. And, Mm -hmm. but I grew up my childhood home we were alone together. Mm. And so I did not realize I recreated that in my own home. And mm. so what I did for intimacy was work, you mm. know? So I, I'm, I was far more intimate with strangers than I was with the two people in my kitchen. Mm. So that was really, you know, and I know a lot of people are thinking about work and what am I going to do? And of course, that old capitalistic thing comes in and goes, oh, I have all this time now. I should be doing this, 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 and this. And I realized, no, you know what? I need to clean my act up is what I need to do. (laughs) Like I need to be like kind of open to a new way of being instead of the way I was trained. Mm -hmm. um, I also have just really enjoyed for some reason, not cooking or baking under pressure. I didn't realize how big a deal that was, but it's like before I remember how stressed I'd get in cutting carrots because it's like, I have 20 minutes to make dinner before my client, you know? And now it's like, <laughs> like what song am I going to listen to while I cut my carrot? <laughs> and I've been going to traffic a lot, by the way. I love, mm-hmm. I've been, I've been really dipping in deep to old sixties music. Nice. Nice. My record collection has definitely been increasing during this time. Oh, so, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting, you know, um, I, I find myself more settled into the situation now for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but but my life is not, I don't feel that settled in is more comes from a resignation and an acceptance of it than anything else. Right. Right. Because I've been kind of like fighting that fight that you're talking about 
for a long time, right? Like when the, when the shop burned down last year, I was like, all right, so I had like two year goals to adjust my workload in certain directions. Yeah. And so I'm going to start that now considering I'm rebooting from nothing. Right. And so there's been a lot of that going on for a while for me. Yeah. And, and you know, what's really been the, the challenge for me is just been this sort of, um, you know, ba- baseline of sort of being a solo person household, you know? So it's mm-hmm. f- full-time, full-time solo parents for half the week with, with all of that, which is, uh, not relaxing, you know, I mean, sometimes right, relaxing, right. but not relaxing, you know? Right. And then trying to float in the rest of the stuff around that. So it's actually kind of compressed things in a certain way that weren't compressed before this for me because yeah. I had more float in my time. And, you know, and so, yeah, so it's, it's interesting, you know, I mean, yeah. that, that said, I did start meditating again since this started. Um, mm-hmm. It had been on my radar for a while and I just was like, well, I need to up my coping skills. So I'm going to turn to that, you know? Absolutely. Um, you know, but it's like, yeah, it's interesting. So mm. I think, I think it's one of those things about this time too, right? Everybody's in different situations, right? You know, yes. like everybody's circumstances is very, very different, right? Like who yeah. do you live with? How is that situation? Do you live with anyone? Are you, you know, separated by quarantine from the people that you would like to be with, you know, all those kinds right. of things. Right? Like Do you have any cash net or are you actually kind of like getting nervous about eating? Yeah. You know, right. that, that, you know, it's our food lines are, are really getting pretty phenomenal here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, I, I went to the grocery store uh, not too long after they opened today and there was no line. But last week when I was there in the afternoon, it took, 25 20 25 minutes to get into the store you know so yeah mm-hmm. and i was just with a little bit of reading that i am doing about what later might look like is there's such a big disturbance in our food line right now that we will feel that next winter and spring mm. in terms of just meats or and beans for some reason mm-hmm. um you know so those things might be really uh that might be a real and I got to tell you, it's really hard for a lot of Americans, not some, but a lot to not be able to get something, mm. you know, so that consumer is, I just, I just pray for that. I honestly pray that we become way less consumer and way bigger citizen. Mm. Do you think you it's going to happen? You know, I mean, I, I'm not. Well, America, it could, right? it could so ricochet. So, so it could ricochet, that. you know, it could ricochet like the, the roaring 20s, you know, mm-hmm. like it could be people going to the other extreme, right? you know, when we're out. But I, I'm also talking to people and, and they're, it's not punitive. They're actually realizing, God almighty, I have a lot of crap in my house that I haven't paid attention to. Or mm-hmm. like we have more, we work so hard to consume more. Mm-hmm. That now I do, I have, at least the people I've been talking to are kind of realizing, I don't need to go shopping. I don't need the next thing. I don't mm-hmm. need, you know, they still want their haircut, but, <laughs> you know, but other than that, you know, it's like, sure. but then women were getting their hair done during World War II, though. I mean, when, you know, seriously, that was still happening, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, you know, I guess you, a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do, bottom line, but. You know, I, I, I already enlisted my 10 year old to cut my hair. So, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> well, thank God. I was actually thinking of growing mine out anyhow. So, you know, right. there we go. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm curious about, um, you know, you, you're talking about the stuff you're receiving around this and, and to be honest, um, I actually don't divine around this at all myself. Right. right. I'm just like, I, I, I went to my elder and got a reading within my religious tradition. And that, yeah. for me, that's my guiding principle. I'm just leaving the rest of it alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious for you, how are these things coming to you? Are they coming while you're with the cards? Are you, you meditating? Are you, do you dancing and moving around? And you know, that, that spirit comes down and 
you come back to your senses and you're like, oh my God, there's a message written on my hand. Like, what's, <laughs> what's going on? As long as it's not on my forehead. Um, right? No, you know, usually actually uh, meditation. Mm-hmm. So after a meditation, uh, actually though, the and the only real divination I got was that five quarantine thing. Just, mm. and this may be, I'm not actually even sure if they meant five more or if this was a series of five. Mm. This was part of five. But that came flying in and I was actually just washing dishes doing that. I didn't even ask for mm. that. You know, that mm-hmm. just went, came in and just, boink, you know, but if I really want to open myself up for messages, it would be during meditation when I'm working with my, uh, my spirit teacher. Mm-hmm. That, that's when it would happen. It's usually very personal, like they're just trying to help me navigate, but every once in a while I'll, I'll get a, a, a far bigger picture. Mm-hmm. I don't really ask, I just leave myself open. Right. So you just kind of, if it comes, it comes, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Quaker. I'm a Quaker. <laughs> right. I'm a, I'm a Quaker pagan. <laughs> uh-huh. how, how did you come to be a Quaker pagan? How did you... How did you put a that Quaker together? pagan. Well, it all started with Catholic, you know, uh-huh. so grow up Catholic, you are surrounded by incense and mm-hmm. theater and grand grandeur and uh, black and white, evil, good, shame. You know, it mm-hmm. just had all the makings of good theater. Uh, and... Um, I still really have a very close affinity to Jesus. I just like got rid of his family because I just mm-hmm. divorced the rest of them. Um, so, but the pagan came in actually that I've always had this love of earth. I remember one of my favorite memories and I'll do it sometimes. There's, I, I'm, have you ever heard of the Taoist meditation called the inner smile? Sure. Yeah. This happened during an inner smile, and I had forgotten about this memory, but my body didn't. Mm. So when I did the the meditation, it came flying up, which was so neat. But I remember like six years old, I lived in central Pennsylvania. We had a big yard in the back and a big crookedy sidewalk. And it was right before it was going to rain. It was dark. It kind of starting to get dark. But it was a summer. It was cool in a, a summer day and with the sun going behind the clouds it actually felt cool and I remember laying on the sidewalk on my back and the the hot cement felt so good but my hands and feet were in the grass and I just laid there and mom yelled at the from the back porch and said it's gonna rain pretty soon get out here and I just said can I can I stay and she let me stay. So I just stayed there and it started raining and it was just, I felt like I had just, like the earth just ate me up mm-hmm. is really what it felt like, just disappeared into it. Mm-hmm. So I loved moments like that with earth and growing up Catholic, earth and planet and body had nothing to do with anything, you know? Yeah. So after a while I realized, you know, I need that. I need that, you know? So it's you know and that's a big big thing for me i mean i i had gone through some really horrible persecution as a young girl i used to sit on the side of my desk i used to sit on the side of my chair so jesus could sit on the other side Uh like honest to god andrew i saw him saw him like several times in church and shit i would Uh yell hey jesus (laughs) it was like from my mom anyhow didn't go over well, eh? No, no. and um, you know, I said I gotta stop talking to my invisible beings, you know, because it's uh, but it it's a uh, it, it's kind of my vision or my mission, if you say mission, it's it's more like my vision to help people really embrace whatever divinity or non-divinity they want to embrace because you know those that that persecution when i was that young and it got pretty brutal not physical but very mental mm-hmm. um that mental persecution meant that i re- would offer religious freedom to and spiritual freedom to whomever and whenever that could come up right you know so as a reader i'm you know i have a 
wide variety. I love Buddhists, Catholics. I, I, I love, I love how people approach divinity mm-hmm. or not, you know, like mm-hmm. actually for people under 40, I just automatically do not mention God or goddess. Mm-hmm. I just don't, don't even bring it into the conversation, you know, because mm-hmm. they have a very different way of looking at the world and uh, divinity and naming divinity at least my experience with the peeps I've been reading for, it's like, that's not a high priority. Mm -hmm. Giving them faces, you know, Mm -hmm. I I remember I still, you know, will never forget my son when he was about seven came up to me and he said, you know, mom, I'm just not going to get into this invisible giant shit. Uh Or he didn't say shit, but he said, no. And I said, what a liberal parent you are. What? (laughs) And the first, you know, what struck me weird about that statement though, was giant. Right. I went, I'm not giant. I just left him half my chair. It didn't need to be giant. But I did think, yeah, but a Krishna, I never would think Krishna would be two inches tall. I mean, I kind of assume he's going to be a little bigger than me. So funny. (laughs) And I said to him, hey, you know, if you believe in love and if you act in love or if you have your own code of love, we're good. That's Mm -hmm. it, man. That's it. So just there you go. You're set. Yeah. Yeah, I always find it, I always find it fascinating. I, I love hearing what other people are spiritually up to or, or religiously up to, you know, because, <laughs> yeah, because it, it's, it's always so interesting to me to hear people's ideas, people's language and so on, you know? Uh, totally. And, you know, and as, as somebody who practices a really fundamental, like I've become really traditional over time, Right. You know, yeah. my, my Orisha lineage and my Orisha tradition is, is very traditional, very orthodox, very structured, and so mm-hmm. on. And, you know, it's, it's so, I remember not being this way, but I no longer remember what that's like, you know? So yeah, even, when totally. I'm, even when I'm, you know, in the woods and speaking to, you know, one of the Orishas who lives there, you know, the other day I brought some offerings and so on. And, traditional prayers you know traditional lakumi invocations and all that's it's all very very structured right it's just like yeah and and the stuff that comes from that there's lots of organic stuff that comes from that but it doesn't usually come without uh without the struct without the structure you know which is why i'm so curious about you know for you it's like oh it just comes in while i'm doing dishes it's like Never happens for me that way, right? I do. Rarely, rarely, you know? I do, I do crave that structure sometimes, though. Just that, that, and even was even playing with the idea of vespers, you know? So trying uh-huh. to do vespers at certain times or just trying to add the prayers. But it always, really, God, Andrew, it just always comes back to my body. It just mm-hmm. does. My body is my church. And yeah. if if I can go in it, if I can allow her to move in the way she wants to move. If I can really listen to my heart and how it wants to be in my body and not just my mind, that's, that's mm-hmm. the, that's the temple that I'm yeah. fascinated well, by. So, so, I mean, I feel like this is, you know, a great time to sort of center Adam's question here, right? Yeah. What's, what's this relationship between divination and art, which, you know, as I understand for you is primarily about movement, you know? Mm-hmm. What what is the relationship between those things? The two, and by the by, and I didn't even mention this to you, but I'm actually writing a new book, and yeah. it's going to be about tarot rituals. Nice. And I actually faced this head on. So when Adam asked, I went, "Okay, yeah, they, I can't wait to get this book out." It's I'm only halfway through though, mm-hmm. which is to me um, both divination. And, uh, and specifically tarot and uh, theater, one of the first things that really needs to happen is a, uh, God, I wrote it down so that I didn't mess this phrase up because I love this phrase, is the suspension of disbelief. Mm. So you're sitting there waiting for the curtain to open. And that one of, usually one of the first things that would happen is lights would turn off mm-hmm. and then the curtains open. 
And I do think that's actually the same thing with divination. There's with creating sacred time or going into that space, you're saying, I am spirit having a human experience. We're, we're in spirit time. It is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that suspension of your own uh, ego and control of, I can only understand what I see or hear uh, is, is big. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretend reality. It is. We're, we're going to watch a whole show in theater now, which is a pretend story. Even if it's a story about something that really happened, it's still pretend because they're doing it, you know, now. So, and I think the same thing with tarot. It, it's a pretend story. It's your, but I don't, I don't actually minimize pretend. Mm-hmm. I think pretend is very powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, because I would have clients when I first was a young teacher starting out people all the time would say, well, wait a minute, what's the difference between this and just pretending? And I said, oh, no, pretending's the first step. <laughs> mm-hmm. First you pretend, then you walk down that aisle all the way. There's a lot of doorways in that corridor, you know, mm-hmm. so pretend is one of them. And, I, you know, when I mean pretend, I think that automatically for a lot of us, except for people that are really, like, just not going to come here no matter what you say, uh, is you, you kind of go, oh, well, then I guess it doesn't matter. And that's when your ego, to me, that's when my ego and my consciousness goes, well, then screw it. I'm not going to mess with this. And it's like, thank you. Go sit in the corner, please. Mm-hmm. You know, so the rest of us can play, you know, or move or do what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Also, with the, the tarot is just their stories. It's all about stories, isn't it? And each one, each card is a story. It's, it's its own set. It has its own actors. It has its costumes. You know, um, it has its colors or its symbols or its words. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's theater. That is theater, you know. So I think, I think that, and in fact, I, God, Andrew, I tell people all the time, listen, if you really want to hide magic, just do art. Right. Because three-fourths of the people are going to see it as entertainment or something interesting to think about. And a fourth of them are going to go, ow, I really felt the energy. <laughs> you know, like, mm. you know, I got that. You know, yeah. that was, whether you mm. call that shamanic or not, it doesn't matter to me. It's mm-hmm. like, if my energy can shift your energy, that's magic. So I guess I'm curious about what's the, what's the difference between um, experiences that emerge from our unconscious or from, from, you know, our visions and so on. And how do you differentiate if you do between those kind of uh, creative processes that can be deeply insightful and the presence of these spirit beings that are external to us or do you differentiate between them Mm, that's a great question i actually i would probably have to say i don't Mm. i don't differentiate i think i mean for years now if people have been asking me what my religion is because if you if i get a client who's like okay but where are you really coming from with all this which i think is a good question i actually think that would be really helpful to ask your reader what yeah. do they believe in? So you know what their filter is. And I, I, I'll say creativity. Mm-hmm. That is my spirituality. Because mm-hmm. I just know that it, when I'm on path, Andrew, when I'm really on path, I create. Mm-hmm. When I'm not on path, I don't create. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that's all. That's the only parameter I really need. I think too, there's a, I do think sacred time makes a big difference though. I mean, if I was just to dance or or just move to really good music, I don't always create sacred space first. And even though there's profound insights, that is kind of me creating. Mm. There's a difference when I create sacred space, when I open space, then I am trusting that I'm channeling other spirits Mm. or a bigger spirit like magician. Yeah, you sort of, you set up the set up the space in a way to create the yeah. outcome that you want, right? More. Right, 
Right. If I just need to loosen up or just move through myself and just see what my body needs to tell me, I don't always create sacred space. But if I do want, I, if I really want to reach out or if I ask for blessings, like I'll ask goddess to bless me in something or, or help me if I'm too scared to do something, then I'll create sacred space. Mm-hmm. Which is actually, to me, is just asking for all time to exist together. Mm. to me just sacred that, huh? yeah that, huh? it's it's just that simple for me it's just past present and future all together mm-hmm. they're not linear it's mm-hmm. they're circular mm-hmm. interesting yeah i i find you know and especially because like like i have a lot of clients who come to me who are sort of magically inclined and sort of struggling with often sort of this these balances of like what is what is mm-hmm. internal and you know and problematic and what is external and problematic you know mm-hmm. from a purely spiritual level right like you know, yeah and and so you know i've spent a lot of time probably people come to me because i've spent a lot of time really sort of cultivating uh, a precision of perception around those distinctions right and yeah. so you know i feel a bit like you and i are at like far ends of a, a spectrum here which is totally. always fascinating to me right where it's <laughs> like because right. for me it's like sorry who's showing up did we check their credentials at the door how do we know for sure it's them right why are they here did we invite them no why are they here then they didn't get the invite they're not coming to the you know so on right. and so on and right? i'll just go love yeah no exactly are you here that you must be because there is some love influence you know one time andrew i heard myself in this story so much that that there were an uh, an old buddhist story where you know a monk the monk would walk if he even went the headmaster the sifu if he went into the woods he would still carry his block and that this is a block that he would uh in you know ink uh, students that you know finally when they got to a certain level and not all of them would mm-hmm. even with a lot of study but you know he would mark them or mark their hands that they are now you know at a certain level but sure. he would bring this block even if he took a walk in the woods because if some madman walked in and just looked at him you know he would know if the right way. yeah yeah it's like Oh, okay. I'll just stamp you, even though you didn't do the training, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not, well, I am an Aries, so I do have an ego the size of a mountain, <laughs> you know, and, but see, we like that. Aries, Aries love our ego. We are like, oh, we love being here. This is all mine. You know, it's like, we are the babies of the Zodiac. So mm-hmm. we have a big ego, but I, I do think I have gotten some of the most amazing things in my life just by stumbling into it and just trusting that I should be there. Mm-hmm. You know, that a lot of doors open for me that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I feel like a lot of us, especially with the spirituality, it has to be a certain thing that I'm doing. Now I'm not, you are a very dedicated priest. I mean, you are, you have thrown yourself fully into commitment here. I'm talking more about the people that are just kind of like on a boat trying to figure out where their spirituality is, if anywhere. And I'll just say, there's no level of perfection. You just need to, you know, to commit to being on it, on the path, Mm -hmm. you know, and then the path will emerge more and more for you. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, I, I wrote this down for somebody a long time ago and it uh, comes back in moments like this. You know, people, people like, I remember like having this conversation with somebody about like their true will and their destiny and, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And, and I'm like, listen, only the road knows which star is yours. So just start walking on the road and eventually the road will tell you and you'll figure it out. You mm, know? I love that. And, you know, because I think that, yeah, like it, it, it doesn't start with, it doesn't start with commitment, nor is commitment necessary for many people in its way, right? Although I would go so far as to say you're deeply committed just in a different direction, right? Right. You know? Um, yeah, I think it's fascinating. I'm, real, I'm always so curious about these. 
these well, kinds it, of ideas. This tarot ritual book that I'm writing is a little scary in that the first book I wrote just was the things that I teach about tarot, you know, yeah. and, and it, a very intuitive approach to tarot. And I knew they were tried and true. I taught mm -hmm. these things for 30 years. This was the other thing that was happening for 30 years, was just the way that I do rituals and how I bring tarot into my everyday life and into other people's lives. So this one feels way more vulnerable because it, 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 there's a nakedness with it is the best way I can describe it. And yeah. it's, and, uh, which I am loving now, but before the book can go out into the world, I'm going to need some kind of ritual where I, I'm just going to call it the thick skin ritual, <laughs> you know, For like, sure. you know, like, yeah. nope, this isn't the way a lot of magicians work, you know, mm -hmm. so this is a different way of working here. Yes. So I, I'm reminded of the, uh, the, the saying from my childhood, you know, I'm rubber, you're glue. <laughs> Whatever you say bounces off of me, <laughs> it sticks to you. It's you. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, I'm going to really right? need that. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's so funny. Or you never know. Maybe you won't, right? Maybe people will just welcome it and be like, you know, the right people will just welcome it. That's true. And I, you know, when I, the when my first book went out, I just, I was thinking, oh God, I, I need to learn about marketing. I need to do this. I need to do that. And And the best advice I got was, Nancy, your book has its own magic. It will go to the people it needs that need it. So you have to trust that. And then you also have to coax that, you know, mm -hmm. but don't, you're not leading it. You're supporting it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to do the same thing with this book, but I, mm -hmm. I'm already feeling this sense of, boy, I've been dying for different rituals and how do people do things after leaving the Catholic church? You better believe it. I love rituals. I love yeah. incense. I love the, the theater, the sacred theater. But it's very, to me, it's been very masculine. You know, mm. it's, it's been the rider weight or it's been the, it's, it felt really, wherever I went, it just was all the same rules and everything except for everyone standing instead of sitting in pews. Right. You know, and not, I'm not taking away from those rituals. And in fact, I kind of, ooh, wouldn't that be nice if I could do them like that? But I can't. I don't mm -hmm. do them like that. I'm... Mm -hmm. And in fact, the image I have really is my high priestess and my hierophant are sitting together and the hierophant's like trying to get her to make it accessible to the mainstream. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, it like, kind of goes against everything that I think the high priestess is about, <laughs> Exactly. Right? She, she's going along with it because he's a good flirt, but that's about uh -huh. it. You know? uh -huh. right. You're like, yeah, yeah, you know. Sure. <laughs> my, 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 my sense of the high priestess is she's like, well... If they're worthy, they'll get it. And if they're not, no, maybe they'll get it, it in the next lifetime. Yeah, that's right, you babe. Know? <laughs> meanwhile, the, meanwhile the, the, the hierophant's like, but attendance is down. We got to get attendance up. I know. Gotta, like, you know. This does not make sense. Right? <laughs> mm -hmm. No, for sure. I, it has given me a whole different appreciation for the hierophant because he just is, all he wants is templates. That's all he okay. wants. I just need a template. You know, <laughs> and I like, I'm actually starting to enjoy creating templates now. Nice. Yeah. yeah. See, I've been uh, I've been working with the Hierophant under the under their Marseille name as the Pope a lot, right? Oh yeah. And uh, you know, and I've been sort of uh, you know seeking to embody that sort of that Pope like being, right? That papal calling, right? Be like, all right, and not not you know, like let's not look at our current Pope or even the Catholic Church, but just that right. idea, right? You know exactly. And, uh, you know, I remember there's a saying, the very significant person in my lineage, um, who is very significant to my elders, used to say, um, you know, listen, I understand your mistake. You thought you were in charge, but here the Orisha is boss, right? And, yeah. and this notion that of like service to spirit at a level at which everybody else's stuff becomes in some ways secondary, right? You know, mm -hmm. that, 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 that spirit dictates those things, you know, and, you know, and kind of that's been moving both, you know, because I, I, I do have sort of two, two lines. There's my personal religious practice, which is very specific and very rarely crosses over into my professional life because, you know, 
It's just a different track, right? Oh, okay. Um, and then there's my sort of professional magical practice, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which comes from different things and different, different places, um, but carries that same intensity of commitment to spirit, right? So when people yeah. are like, you know, how do you do it? I'm like, well, my spirit's saying no. So sorry, I got nothing for you. Let's see. Conversation's <laughs> over, right? Because like, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the CEO, but they're the stakeholders. They're the ones who, you know, make yeah, things that's happen, right. right? You know? So totally. It's a, yeah, it's such an interesting dynamic, right? Yeah. So I've been, <laughs> I've been very much sort of exploring this idea of sort of um, Pope as servant to the world by complete dedication to spirit, you know? Mm, I love that. Yeah. I do. And to me, I, I think anything that we repeat, I mean, to me, ritual is, is repetition. Mm-hmm. So anything we repeat gains power. You know, sure. I mean, that bad habits, you know, I mean, yeah. those are, they gain a lot of power. So, so if you did do the, for me, if I did do the inner smile every night or it, it, and to me, I keep thinking I should do the full out thing and I only do 20 minutes of it, but it, I do a real abbreviated version of it because it's hard for me to actually get up to an hour, which is a goal of mine, but sure. it's kind of low. No, if I repeat it, it's going to grow stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. That sense of well-being, which I get after that meditation is just almost kind of unreal to me. It's like, wow what you know it's it's just but i love the taoist approach to the body and that's pretty new to me i mm-hmm. as soon as trump got into office i knew that i didn't have enough self-care tools mm-hmm. so that's i started studying taoist meditations and uh mm-hmm. going to the studio and learning them and boy those taoists are they have such an appreciation of the body. Unlike mm-hmm. it's just amazing that each organ is its own spirit. Mm-hmm. It's like, thank you, you know, yeah. and you want to be friends with each one. Cause one of them is going to kill you. Right. So if you're good friends with them, maybe the death won't be so bad, you right. know? And I'm like, Oh my God, that just makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. That's street smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think being on in good terms with death is a is a good idea, you know, for exactly yes. those reasons, right? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So I'm looking over the list of questions here because there are quite a lot of questions. And yeah. I think that some of the questions I think we should just do rapid fire. Okay, um, let's do it. But I think that the the one question that that I think maybe we should just touch on in a in a not like what's your instant answer, right? Okay. Um, is this question of uh, how how do you use how can people use tarot to na- navigate a time that is both uncertain and monotonous? Right, you know. So I'm curious if you have ideas around that. Yeah, well, um, uh, I I did actually, and we'll we'll put it in the credits. But I did do a, a three three hour three hour long sessions with Jenna Matlin and we did Mm. being boundaries and business. So literally even just reading in this time of quarantine, um, I gave, uh, you know, we gave ideas and resources about just how, how to be kind to yourself, but also how to stay neutral. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say, uh, how do you use tarot I, again, I would almost say always just get more creative if it's mm-hmm. monotonous, if your life is monotonous, that tarot, if you could color it, you know, there's coloring books now like Teresa mm-hmm. Reader. There's all kinds of ways to experiment with tarot so that you can let it feed you mm-hmm. um, or write a haiku or a poem of one or just really go in the card and meditate. Do get go trippy if it's mm-hmm. monotonous go trippy if your life is monotonous let tarot kind of bring you into some mythic journey 
eat a card a day until yeah come on now (laughs) oh my god one of my favorite uh tarot experiences i read for a woman's horse who was really having a hard time and then we find out that the horse was taken away from its mother too soon okay and i had an old morgan greer you know a, a spare deck so i took out the card that was you know to help the horse and i said just put it near in its its stall well she put it by its food bowl and it ate the card and and it was great afterwards (laughs) you know so she actually thought it was the card that did it and i thought well maybe it was maybe maybe it was was. why not in jest you know it's funny i i uh my tarot practice i i occasionally have other questions but my tarot practice consists of one question just over and over and over again Wait, whenever, whenever let me I think can it. work on it. Go ahead. What's my purpose? No. Okay. You got two more guesses. <laughs> Who are my guides? No. Okay. <laughs> um, what would be... Okay, why am I here? What am I doing? Who's helping me? And then the other, well, the big one is like, who will I, who will I love? Mm. Nope. It's none no. of those things. None of those things. None what? of those things. What? what? Um, I love, I love, I already leave, I, I either know that uh, or I leave it up to uh, exploration, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, but the question that I ask is, uh, what do I need to know in order to show up fully today? That's the only question I ever ask on any regular basis. You know, oh, I, I thought you meant what they ask you. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, oh. When I, when I ask the cards. And oh, so, totally, so totally. So my, my, my personal divination practice is, is, in a sense, intensely monotonous because it's always the same question. And, that, and then that process goes through a whole set of, of filters, you know, I, um, yeah, speaking with my ancestors, speaking with the cards. Um, sometimes it's very poetic. Sometimes it's very artistic. Sometimes it's very literal. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just like, shut up and go for a walk, dude. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And and so for me, I think that this question of like, how do we how do we wrangle these times? To me, it's the same as as every other time. The question right. remains the same. What do I need to do to show up fully? The answer might be radically different during a time like this, but the question remains the same, you know? Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. All right. Let's hit these rapid fire ones. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. All right. So and these, I think, all come from Sarah Barry. So um, we're going to truncate them because she asks a lot of why. And I think that we're going to leave the longer explanations up to uh, people to interpret themselves. But Okay. All right. You ready? First well, question. I have quick, I have quick whys. So. Okay, you can be quick I actually then. wrote these down. <laughs> All right. So uh, if there's only one type of tree that you could hug for the rest of your life, which tree would it be? And I would say it would be a rowan tree, any rowan tree. Because when I was in Scotland, uh, the only time I opened myself up to divination in Scotland was when I held this rowan tree and it told me to remember that I was a white witch. And so I've fallen in love with rowan trees. Lovely. Yes. If there's only one image you could draw in chalk on the pavement for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mountains, because they're easy to draw. (laughs) Perfect. And I love mountains. (laughs) And I love mountains. So bring them wherever I go. Which major arcana archetype would you fight alongside in a battle? God, isn't that a great question? And I got the world card by Arnel Anando's Lucky Pack. And it's like, she's like a Frida Kala character uh-huh. sitting there with a little Charlie Chaplin about dictators. So it's kind of against dictatorship. So I would join forces with her. Freedom forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you were to lovingly devote yourself to only one tarot card for this year, which one would it be? 
and it's major and minor. And I said wheel of fortune because it, I just went into my wheel of fortune cycle. So I'm totally into it. And I love uh, journey into Egypt's uh, wheel of fortune because it's the zodiac of in, in, in Egypt and it's this beautiful blue. So it nice. feels great. And then the minor would be eight of swords from the Morgan Greer because mm -hmm. I'm learning so much about how to undo that. So I should devote myself to it all year. I like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, thank you for being on today. Absolutely. Um, where, where do people find you? At www.betweenworlds.us. Nice. Yeah. Andrew, this has always been fun to talk to you. I, so fun. I have actually loved watching you grow into your priest though it's that's i can even feel it even if we don't talk much i can feel you shifting mm. thank you yeah mm. it's an honor <laughs> <laughs> all right well nice chatting with you and, all right uh, sweetie yeah go follow go follow along and uh yeah check out that thing we'll, there'll be links in the show for the uh jenna maitland crossover piece yeah all right, my friends, that's another one all wrapped up and ready to go. If you are a Patreon supporter or if you're becoming a Patreon supporter, don't forget to head over to the Patreon uh, webpage there, log in and check out the bonus episode. Uh, and as always, I thank you for listening. I certainly appreciate you spreading the word. Give the episode a share. Talk about it in your social circles. Go over to iTunes or whatever platform you are uh, listening to this on and leave a review. All of these things are fantastic and certainly help. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.